Uh, yo, 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 what's going on? Uh, yeah, here it is. Got another episode here. The Rules Lawyers with me, Luke, your your fellow traveler here in this journey that we call just being a fucking nerd. Uh, I'm here with J-Dog, uh, JC, JC Lickums, my puppy. I got her a big old, like, noose toy that hopefully she doesn't completely fucking destroy as she has the past couple of toys. She's whining. That's kind of her thing now. She likes to just sit there and bitch at me all day long. That's very fun. So that's what I deal with. Little gray boy Georgie, the the famous amazing podcasting kitty, he's running around upstairs somewhere, and then we got Tippy. She is hanging out by some watermelon that's on the counter. And Lily, my pregnant as hell wife, she just took a little bit to go out to Target, so I thought I'd record this. Uh, so I decided to do another discussion-based episode. This is with my good college buddy, Carl. Uh, we're going back to the episode that I did a couple of episodes ago, just me solo ranting about Dungeons & Dragons and A Song of Ice and Fire. It was nice to have someone who had just recently got done reading the main five books talk about it as well. But yeah, in terms of going back to actual play, I'm still going to be doing that. We, as the crew, are going to be doing that at some point, but a bunch of stuff has kind of gotten in the way. Uh, there was some bad weather that stopped us from recording once, and I know something came up where I had to cancel not too long ago. But, uh, you know, we'll get back to playing the actual game, and we will be doing Tales at some point here. But, you know, things are getting definitely more hectic as Lily continues to grow and grow with two beautiful little symbiotes, two beautiful little parasites inside of her body. Uh, it's getting tighter and tighter, and we're going to have to be doing more discussion-based stuff. It's just kind of more... On, along the lines of what I can do. Regardless, uh, I do want to give some updates here. I do want to say with this episode, look, listening back to it, there was a bunch of shit that I said that was wrong. I, I mean, even just thinking about it, there was multiple things that I said wrong, and I know I said them wrong. I said Christianity, or I said Catholicism when I meant Christianity. I said the Great Golden Empire of the Dawn for some reason. Uh, at one point, I said one and a half hours instead of years when I was talking about uh, that one Targaryen princess that fluence Thorios. Even when I was saying it, I knew it was wrong. I think it's because a lot of me, uh, a lot of the Song of Ice and Fire knowledge that I have, I have it in my head, but I don't get to say it out loud all too often. So when I finally do, I fuck it up like a moron. So just forgive me. And even then, I'm sure there are things that I said that were incorrect without me even knowing about it. Because I'm not anything more than just an amateur scholar for Song of Ice and Fire content. Lastly, I guess book update, books that I've been reading... I finished the unfeasibly mundane existence of Hannah Green, or whatever the fuck it was called. Hannah Green and her unfeasibly mundane existence. I also then read I'm Thinking of Ending Things by E.A.N. Reed. Both are very good, and now I'm moving on to something else. Hit me up with book suggestions. I actually might be re-listening to the main five books of Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, and I finished The Night of the Seven Kingdoms. The Duncan Egg novellas. I had a great time listening to those. All right, now we're going to go to my talk with... My good buddy, Carl. Bye. We're going to start recording it now. It's sounding all right. It's, the bars are picking up. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Well, here it is. Intro. Intro's done. Bam! That was the intro, and the intro's done now. Mm. But no, this is Luke. We're doing... My podcast. <laughs> Here it is. Um, but we have a very special guest today. We have um, an expert witness. This is my old buddy from school, Carl Kramer. Crazy Hello. Carl. Crazy Carl. That's me. Some people I'm sure have 
Call You Crazy Carl. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Carl go back to the days of yore when we did some KULT student radio mm-hmm. at the University of Northern Iowa. Yep. How, how are you doing today, Carl? I'm doing well. Um, had a good long drive. I did some studying up on the way. A little nice. bit of watching the YouTubes and such. Do you follow any, like... Uh, people on YouTube or podcasters that do Song of Ice and Fire stuff? Not much. There's the the YouTube channel Alt Shift X, I think, is the one where he like has all of the theories and all of the whatever. I, and like, I I don't think I've drank his Kool Aid. Alt Shift X. I don't think I've ever even heard of him. I don't. I don't. I'll I don't check know. him out. But he, because I don't know if we want to dive into the prompts that you mentioned. Sure. Um, okay. So the two prompts. Prompt number one: Who are you in the Game of Thrones universe? Um... I think that there are two answers to this question for me. Que- answer number one is um, I bought a sword for $40 at a gun show once, <laughs> like six years ago when I was in college, and my sunglasses aren't on my head anymore. Um, so bought a sword, and I also had a black leather duster, and I wore, I wore both of those things to the frat house and before I destroyed that obviously only cere- ceremonial sword, like trying to cut through one inch plywood, um, <laughs> somebody took a picture of me with it and th- that picture was had, right? Sure. And then on the website, like TFM, Total Frat Move, they like every Friday, they, like all of these fraternities across the United States, they like take pictures of all of their like drunkest people or whatever. And sure. they like, they send them in and they're like, ha, look at this loser. And... <laughs> Somebody sent in my picture and, and like, in the caption that somebody, I don't know what it was, but then somebody like wrote a comment and was like, yeah, that guy looks like Samuel Tarley. Oh my God. That was like, that was my designation was that I, I was Samuel Tarley. But you're like a badass Samuel Tarley. Yeah. Just like. And if I recall, he's one of the few, if only, only like named person in the series that is killed in other I can't think of anybody. Right. May, I don't think John, even in the books, has killed another to this point. No, because they, I think, because John doesn't go to hard home in the books, mm-hmm. but Samuel does, or Samuel is the, yeah, he's the only one. Yeah. Because right after the fist or whatever, he's the only one who, yeah, it's nuts. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that is a uh, high honor. Being yeah. Badass duster Samuel Tarley. Yes. I, I don't think there's really any good correlations for a character that I would, I feel like if I was in the, Planetos universe, I would be like, just based on my appearance, I'd probably be a Lannister, which I'm sure there are some decent Lannisters out there. Mm-hmm. But I would like to imagine that I'm Marwin the Mage, because he's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I like Marwin an awful lot. Yeah. Don't get to see a lot of him. But um, I talked a lot about him when I did my little solo rant about parallels between Dungeons and Dragons and uh, Song of Ice and Fire. And he's one of the few examples that we have of like a classic wizard. Mm-hmm. But you don't get to see a whole lot of him. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of him in the in the near future. But he's probably my favorite. But other, more likely, I'll probably just be some fucking dirt farmer. Um, yeah, out that, in like the Westerlands. That's that's the other thing. Like people, people that were they're like, okay, so what in this TV show are you? Like what 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 royal character? Like the, like a Song of Ice and Fire is the story of the one percent. Like mm-hmm. there's like this is the top of the top. Like who I would be in Game of Thrones? Corn farmer number three. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Blacksmith number seven. Like, I'd, be, I'd be like jerk off at the end of the crossroads that got fucking slaughtered in one of the few. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just random guy eating. The hound stole my chicken. Chicken's yeah. gone. I'm dead. Yeah. But that, that would be me. I, there was actually, um, there was an RPG for Song of Ice and Fire that I've always wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And I don't, well, I probably never will more than likely. But I, I had an idea of having a character that was the, um, 
the descendant of Lomas Longstrider. Do you know who that is? Uh, yeah. He's the he's one of the people in Thoros' group. Is that right? No. No. He was a guy who wrote two books of note. Oh. Wonders he, and Wonders Made by Man. And he went yeah. all the way to like, I believe he went close to a shy and then back. Like yeah. He, I think he made it to Yi-T. Like he went way far down to Essos, most across like most of the known world, mm-hmm. and then came back. Yeah, and, and he because he, he wrote the he wrote the wonders in like Casterly Rock and the Wall mm-hmm. and like okay mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think it'd be fun to have like a my idea this obviously isn't me but if I were to play an RPG of Sunrise and Fire I think it'd be fun to do like a like a ET ish girl and maybe when Lomas Longstrider came over he had a had a uh, child he and did she's like she, yeah he did some uh, rolling around in the do they have hay sure they might have hay I'll, Straw, something I'll stay away from possible Asian stereotypes and jokes, but they, uh, he had a, he, had, he maybe she's like the descent, the descendant uh-huh. of Lomas Longstrider. And that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Did I have, what was another one? I think it was like a D and D one later one, right? I think, no, cause I think they were both. Okay. And then the other one was, wasn't it, um, the best theories of the Yeah. Oh, your favorite theories. Okay. Yes. So my favorite theory is actually a collection of theories and it's ultimately who is the best fighter in Game of Thrones. Okay. Because there's no, there's no one right answer. I feel like there's a top three that it's pretty hard to touch, mm-hmm. but like consider like considering sword fighters, knights, and then like all of those things, it's hard to say like which definitive one is and everybody has their own arguments and things, but I feel like top of the list is going to be Barristan Selmy and Arthur, Sir Arthur Day, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. And then like after that, it's really up to speculation between like book and TV show. Yep. Like who's the best. Yeah. And Arthur Day is definitely going to be up there. Mm-hmm. I feel like, Oberyn Martell would be up there. And see, that's the thing. People always mention, like, the Mountain, the Hound, like, yep. the top ten. But, like, Oberyn Martell, he's a really smart fighter. And mm-hmm. he's, because everybody, like, nobody wants to touch the Mountain. But he's like, all right, he's got a six-foot-long greatsword. I have an eight-foot-long eight spear. Like, yeah. that was his solution. Uh-huh. Whereas, like, Legend legend just precedes the Clegane brothers of, like, and it's frightening enough. And that that's a weapon that they use almost is it's, like... They're powerful, like, yeah. but he's just like, no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's smart and he's quick, mm-hmm. and it, it worked. Obviously, he got the old, the old Gallagher uh, on him, but, uh, yeah. but that was because he got cocky. Yeah. In terms of just martial prowess, I think Oberyn Martell's up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ned Stark was actually pretty good back in the day. I Robert Baratheon in his prime was a fucking beast. Mm-hmm. He uh, he'd be up there for sure. Yeah, but I think obviously and, Sir Arthur Dane is. I if I had to give an like an ultimate. Just broad answer. I if I put a gun to my head, I'd say Arthur Dane. Mm-hmm. But and it's tricky too because like you go with who's alive and who's dead, mm-hmm. and then you go. So you so you say like Robert Baratheon was a beast in the day, which is a known fact. But like young fighters like Loras Tyrell, like given time would be legend that sure. like, are already legendary and like yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's tricky to say like at it's, which time. Yeah, if if there was some sort of like uh, some sort of like ultimate. Showdown of Ultimate Destiny, but with just <laughs> but with just the uh, Planet Joe's people, they'd yeah. be kind of sweet. And oh, then there's like some really weird, kind of obscure characters from like uh, like Fire and Blood, which I know you haven't read, but mm. there's like, his name's Morak the Shadow, mm-hmm. and he was like this terrifying um, guy out in SO, or he came from SO, he's from the Fighting Pits, I believe, mm-hmm. and he had like a Valyrian steel katana. And there was one scene where he just completely wrecked the King's Guard. There's a lot of badass shit that happens in Fire and Blood, which I'm so like, I'm gonna check that out. You right. should, yeah. Okay, it's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite theory of all time is that 
And I think this is more based on the show, but I kind of see a little bit of hints in it in the books mm-hmm. that Varys is, or is at least part merfolk. That he's like mm. a, he's a little bit of a of a merling, okay. which it's pretty hard to disclaim that they don't exist. Like it's there's a lot of evidence that at one point they do or did or like still exist somewhere off in the far, like the Shivering Sea mm-hmm. or whatever. But um, a lot of people were saying that he can get across water like really fast and. <laughs> And uh, when him and um, Illyrio in Game of Thrones were in the crypts of the Red Keep and mm-hmm. Arya was spying on him, mm-hmm. they were all like watery and they were all like wet or something. I just, I just really like to imagine that they were partially, Varys is partially merfolk. That's why he's like uh-huh. shaved ball all the time. And, and also the fact that he's a eunuch and has no genitalia, it's because he's got like a merfolk cloaca. Or just like, and he always wears long and flowing robes, and you like rarely see his feet. Exactly. Yeah. So in the show, you definitely see his feet, but like in the books, it could almost be like maybe hinted at a little bit. Then there was one line that he said where it was like, "You'd be surprised how fast I can swim." It was kind of a weird little line that he said to Tyrion, mm-hmm. which you know maybe he's like an eighth merfolk or something. That make yeah, me very like happy. Some, yeah, not immediately, but like. Off in the distance, yeah, his like great in the family tree. Yeah. His great great grandmother was a merfolk and seduced like a some sort of Pentashi trader. But then um, there is instances. It's in the world of ice and fire. I think it's even in some of the books where there are people who are very clearly like part fish person. I think mm-hmm. on Toad Isle there are people who have like web uh, webbed hands and webbed feet and have eyes mm-hmm. that are like too far apart. And they do you ever hear of the uh, the weird oily black stone? fixtures around the world mm. so there's a bunch of them okay. and one of them is towards Sothorios. okay and it's like a it's a large uh toad like statue and it's made mm-hmm. of this stone that's sick sickly and oily and black and mm-hmm. all plant life around there always seems to be corrupted and dies mm-hmm. and there are these people who worship it as a god and they're pretty clearly like some cthulhu lovecraftian interbred fish people Mm-hmm. So it, uh, people refer to like the squishers and the merlings. It's pretty well hinted at that at one point they did or mm-hmm. still exist. Yeah. So it's possible that Varys might be part yeah, merfolk. Part merfolk. There you go. I like to believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did do. Oh no, there's Lily. Hi, dear. Hi. Hello. Do, Hi. Do you need any help with that? No. You sure? Yep. Okay, I can help you prove the way. Otherwise, oh, we can just put a pause. Just struggling like a mother. <laughs> struggling like a lady with two babies inside of you. Two babies. Not just one baby, but two babies. That, one, that was a bit of a shock when we found out there was the two of them. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm just going to put a pause on it. All right, after Lily so rudely interrupted us, we're back. Oh my gosh, Lily! <laughs> How dare you exist in this house? My, my pregnant wife. <laughs> Right, whenever I'm recording with Lily around, I like to see if I can get her to say anything, but she hates hearing her voice or having her voice be on the recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you listen real closely, maybe when I edit this, I'll turn it up really loud. You can hear her hogging down on some watermelon. There it is. That little wet crunch you just heard. Well, but yeah, so we just got done talking about our favorite theories. Did, um, do you want me to go into like, the topics that I kind of wrote down? Yes. Tight. So I made a couple of categories. One of them just being creatures. Oh my um, gosh. One of them being themes. Okay. But there's a lot of creatures that are in both Dungeons and Dragons and the Song of Ice and Fire. And if you are maybe um, kind of new to it, or if you maybe you're only familiar with the show, you might 
think there's not a whole lot. This is the big one, like dragons. Obviously, there are dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are some that you'd be kind of surprised that are in the books. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of it's in like uh, the world of ice and fire, uh, or references in fire and blood. And also, if you're familiar with maybe like the main five books, it's a pretty low fantasy setting where there's not a whole bunch of magic stuff going on, or maybe it's like kind of coming back after being gone for a long time. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a lot of interesting creatures that are kind of in both that you can see both in *A Song of Ice and Fire* and *Dungeons and Dragons*. One of them being krakens, which are yes, kind of sort of hinted at in a couple of different places. Obviously, krakens are a big mm-hmm. badass creature in the Monster Manual. I think one of the Okay, of chapters in the things, some of my favorites are from the the point of view of Victorian Grey. Hell yeah! And just that part where he's like, he's 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 in full plate armor, and he's describing how he's like, he just lets people whatever, and he'll like face five or six guys at mm-hmm. the same time, and just like, I'll get to you. Like, I see you poking me. I'll get to you in a second. <laughs> and then he like rides up, and he sees the other boat, and he's just like. Oh, they're still afraid of drowning. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just in full plate armor. Victorian's a badass. Yeah. There's some really cool, um, there's this awesome subreddit. I'm going on multiple side tangents now. Uh-huh. There's an awesome subreddit called Imaginary Westeros that has really awesome like fan art or like professional art that are associated uh-huh. with the with the story. Mm-hmm. And there's some really badass Victorian in like full crack in plate mm-hmm. badassery. But there I think and actually, did you ever hear or read up on the pre-released Winds of Winter chapter called uh, like the Euron chapter, the Victorian chapter, or Aeron. It was Aeron. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you care if I spoil anything? Or Go for it. Okay. So there's some chapters that Martin had read and released. And I think you could probably find the actual written text somewhere on the internet. Mm-hmm. But it's um, uh, Aeron, the damp hair. He's the, the priest yep. of the drum god in the family. But he's captured by Euron and Euron is going around the world capturing all different kinds of priests and magic users mm-hmm. and like one for each representative of like a god like he's got he's got some septons for like the seven yep. he's got uh, a representative of like Noth and their butterfly god oh, damn. Uh, and then his brother is like the representative of the storm god and there's a lot of people thinking that he's going to do some like big ritualistic sacrifice of all these different people representing gods to maybe achieve some sort of magic or do power mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to be said on Euron Euron is Quite possibly my second favorite, or maybe even tied for first favorite character, because he's got a lot of crazy shit going on. Mm-hmm. There's like some theories that he was a green seer, but it was kind of rejected by Blood Raven, and Bran ended up being the selected over him. Wow! Because at one point he said that um, he dreamt that he could fly, mm-hmm. but the the maesters told him that he couldn't, which is like very similar to what happened to Bran. Yeah. That's a whole side Euron thing, but he's badass. So check that out. Okay. It, yeah, check that out. Um, but then in terms of Krakens. There's a really awesome scene in Blood and Fire. Mm-hmm. In Blood and Fire, I should say, it's a really cool book. I like it a lot, but it's very dry. It's like a history book written from a maester, kind of similar to the uh, the gimmick with the Song of or the World of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. But there's a an account where some people tried sailing across the Sunset Sea, going further west, and they found some islands that have some strange fruit. They're like, oh sweet, that's awesome. We can get rich off this. But I think there was some sort of some sort of offshoot of a Targaryen was like, no, we got to keep going. We got to keep going. And they went further away and there was a quite possibly like a, a Kraken encounter. Um, but they, it was also referred to as arms coming out of the water and not tentacles. So a lot of people are almost kind of raising an eyebrow thinking it might be Cthulhu-esque. Yeah. Uh, which is very fun. And there's a shitload of Cthulhu just scattered throughout the works. So awesome. Mm-hmm. Ice and fire. Which yeah. Is awesome. So Krakens. Krakens. There's Krakens quite possibly existing in the book. There's also mention of a Kraken horn, which... 
much similar to Dragonbinder, mm-hmm. where if someone were to blow it, they can summon Krakens. To, that'd be awesome. And that'd be badass. Useless on land, but <laughs> pretty sweet. I, I'd be kind of surprised if we actually see it, mm-hmm. but still there. Yeah. Still pretty cool. Here's one that I, I wrote down specifically for you, because I know that you like these. Um, Dinosaurs? There, that is in there. That, oh, there, there, is quite, there is quite possibly in Sothorios, like Velociraptors. That's legitimately quite possibly a thing. Dang. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to pull up the... I'm not exactly where sure it is, but I think in, going to. in the World of Ice and Fire, they mention multiple things in Sothorios. One of them is pretty clearly like a tiger. One of them is like a, a giraffe. Mm-hmm. Or, no, no, shit. I think it was... It, was, um, it wasn't... Maybe it's in the World of Ice and Fire, but it might have also been in Dance of Dragons. Someone in Nassos was talking about it. But then they mention large lizards with razors for claws that walk on their hind legs. That's... It's pretty clearly... Like, that checks some boxes. That's mm-hmm. a Velociraptor. Exactly. Yeah. The, what? And that kind of also ties in a little bit with D&D. Mm-hmm. Because uh, one of the recent publications that came out a few years ago, revisiting the continent of Chult, uh-huh. is like a... It's, a, it's very Sothorios in nature. It's like a jungle with dinosaurs, essentially. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of getting some crossover... Quite possibly dinosaurs, which and is badass. Even Magic the Gathering, like, one of their latest green decks was dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ixalan. There it is. Yep. I, I tried playing in the pre-release, got my ass spanked mm-hmm. during that uh, that particular one. But, yeah, they had dinosaurs in that one, too. We're crossing all kinds of fibers here. There is. And but, it kind of hits on the theme that both Martin and Wizards of the Coast pull from, like, the general, like, fantasy lexicon. And they pull from different themes and like uh, creatures and like reoccurring like motifs. But then I also think it's really fun when you get to see one that maybe Martin made of himself, and that uh, maybe Wizards kind of not stole, but like had IP that was inspired by him. Mm-hmm. I think there's a few examples of that. Like um, I think the Light Cleric in the PHB is very reminiscent of Melisandre. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I think it's yeah, like kind of the, the Red Priest. I'm not very well versed. Uh, my strength is more Game of Thrones than Ice than. Dungeons and Dragons right now, but I'm like diving in. Yeah, yeah. you're gobbling it up. Yeah, I am. I'm starting to make my own miniatures, and I'm gonna start <sighs> so milling. Awesome. I'm gonna start milling my own wood so that I can make castle walls. Oh like, hell yeah! Like I, I drink in that Kool Aid. And you, um, and I were again. I we can go on side tangents all day long. It's totally fine with me. But you were so, showing me some snaps, and you did like some some ballista for yeah. the for like a, a naval battle or some mm-hmm. shit. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so cool. I am a really lazy DM where all that shit is theater of the mind. I do not. I I wish I had the motivation. To like crap or the skill to even do something like that, but it's all like you're on a ship. There's a ballista. It looks awesome. Imagine it looks awesome. All right, let's <laughs> combat, combat time. There you go. Yeah. But um, the one that I was gonna bring up for you specifically mm-hmm. is um, dragon turtles. Dragon turtles. So clearly, dragon turtles one of the most badass. Oh my. Yeah. Uh, creatures in the monster manual. Mm-hmm. There's not quite like a dragon turtle per se in a song of ice and fire, but there are the giant roinish river turtles uh-huh. that they um they were worshipped as gods. And uh, I, can't, I think it's in Advance of Dragons when Tyrion is going down the Roin, and there's a big old giant turtle, and it makes a big old nasty noise. Large giant turtle, essentially. <laughs> so that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, dragon, I've never encountered a dragon turtle or worked one in a game before. There was one Adventures League module that we were going to run with our upper tier characters, uh, mainly because it has a the, the swag you can get. It's insane. Uh, some really awesome weapons and items that you can pull from that one. But there was a dragon turtle in it. I was going to run that one. We ended up not doing it. Maybe mm-hmm. one day we will. But that was also back when we cared about Adventures League, if you know what Adventures League is. 
Adventures League is not. It's but, the it's the organized play that they do, which oh. the rules have changed, and I have become salty about it. But that's mm-hmm. that's a separate episode. Okay. Uh, the next one I have are um, kind of going back to Sothorios again. It's said in the World of Ice and Fire that Sothorios has basically King Kong giant apes that are they say I think they say that they make the giants of Westeros dwarfed by them by their size. Wow! And so King Kong, it's, it, yep. well, there is an actual Skull Isle, which I'm sure Martin took from King Kong lore. Yeah, uh, that's a, I think that's a pretty obvious reference there. But then they just straight up have like King Kong apes just in Sothorios, and I checked to see, and there are giant apes in the monster manual. And they're all size category large. They're pretty fucking big. They're as mm-hmm. big as like a giant, like a fire mm-hmm. giant. Yeah. So pretty big. Yeah. Giant That's ape. Wild. Giant apes. So Thor- giant apes. So Thorios is a crazy place. What I think is wild is that like Game of Thrones takes place on, on like mostly on one continent. But then like, yes, there is Essos. But Essos, like if you look at a map, mm-hmm. Essos is giant. It, it keeps going. It just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And then, so you're like, okay, this one and that one. And nobody talks about Sothorios. Exactly. It's just like, bigger than both of those combined, it's just hanging out. Yep. And And, nobody knows. And uh, it was stated, it was, one of the Targaryens rode her dragon for a minimum of a year and a half down. So uh, you can imagine it wasn't like the dragon continuously flying for an hour and a half, but she had to stop and camp and shit. But she tried going as far and seeing as much of Sothorios as she could, and she couldn't reach the end of it after continuous travel of a year and a half. It's gigantic. Uh Uh-huh. So it's it's just impractical to even begin to discover with horse and dragon. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And anytime anybody ever tries to settle in it, there's just nasty mosquitoes and vampire bats that will like suck you dry. Uh, wyverns, which is another one I was going to head on. Oh yeah. Straight, you know, very classic wyverns from like Monster Manual. Kind of yeah. like a pseudo dragon, not the actual yeah. creature pseudo dragon, but sort of like a dragon. Lily's looking at me like I'm such a fucking nerd. Shaking her head. I, I see it in your eye. You're kind of a nerd, but that's yeah, all right. That's all right. I, I wear probably. I like to keep nerds around me. Exactly. And then there are a couple other ones that I kind of just lumped into some that are more or less uh, miscellaneous creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, manticores, which I don't think. Are you are you going somewhere? Oh, okay. I can I can cut shit out. Like you can talk. Say well, I promise. I'll cut, I'll cut out your words. I promise. Say something funny. I love you. Do you love me back? <laughs> Sign language. <laughs> Classic. Oh, yeah. She just refuses to have a voice on her. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so there's manticores, which I think are, like, a weird poisonous bug. And they were in the show briefly when, like, an assassin tried to kill Daenerys. Yes. You know when Varys did something, comes to her. Yep, yep exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that's what a manticore is. I'm which, getting manticores and chimeras confused. Yeah, uh, in classic myth and also D&D, a manticore is the, uh, it's got like a lion's head or like a person's mouth or some shit, but it's got like a spiky tail, like a scorpion tail. Uh-huh. Um, but a chimera is the one with the lion's head, a dragon's head, and a goat's head. There it is. And it can fly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And I think they also mention chimeras in the books, but I think they're more like, um, there's like a literal definition of chimera, like IRL, and it's mm-hmm. just a, it's a creature that has a combination of multiple creatures' DNA. Mm-hmm. So it might not necessarily be a dragon-goat-lion hybrid, but multiple it's, things. Yeah. There's also... Basilisks, which I don't know if they necessarily turn into stone in mm-hmm. the world of Ice and Fire, but right, ba- there's the basilisk styles. They mm-hmm. definitely exist in both. So and I think too that like a lot of times in Game of Thrones, George R. R. Martin wrote it as like so. He talks about how in the neck 
in the Cranugs or whatever mm. that like he talks about lizard lions. lizard lions and so like I don't so I was thinking like man that'd be really weird if a lion was a lizard but I was like wait a second that's just a really creative way to say like an alligator exactly. or a crocodile so it's like the name mm-hmm. of it is different and so like if it's a basilisk maybe that's just like a giant snake like a titanoboa or, or something but like or maybe like a Komodo dragon or something yeah. Yeah. yeah no I completely agree and that actually is a really good transition to the next one that I wrote down which is unicorns nice so this one is I've seen a lot of debate on whether or not they are classic fantasy unicorns, like D&D, you know, European uh, mythol- mythological unicorns, or if they are just rhinoceroses. But they are mentioned, like, existing in the north, and they're almost more, like, ram-like or goat-like. Mm. And they're even mentioned by the Children of the Forest at one point about how, like, oh, even the unicorns are gone. And you kind of get the feeling that if the Children of the Forest are mentioning them, they have to be of a magical nature. Right. Like, I can't imagine that the Children of the Forest are, like, super fond of, like, rhinos. You know what I mean? Like, right. Just for the fact that they're mentioning it, I feel like they're more of a magical creature than just a rhino. And I feel like, yeah, because it's like the north. The north is like mystical and it's wild mm-hmm. and like nobody knows and it snows all the time. But it's not like like a rhino isn't like mist as mystical as the like the north. I think. It, yeah. Yeah. Because it was the, there was really them saying it in the north. I I think they're more of like a shaggy kind of ram version of a unicorn and i i suppose there are like what sumatran rhinos which are like essentially extinct they're kind of like a shaggy type of rhino so i guess that kind of tracks and maybe there was like ice age rhinos i'm not super up on Mm -hmm. on all that so maybe that maybe it's a little bit of that but i like to imagine at least for my preference that it's a legitimate unicorn Mm -hmm. that or at least like a a rami kind of unicorn that existed as opposed to like a standard rhino Mm -hmm. but then um another one that i have for creatures that I think is worth mentioning. There's the obvious ones of dragons. And the fun difference with Dungeons and & Dragons and Song of Ice and Fire is that with D&D, they're very like, categorized. Mm-hmm. So you have like five chromatic and five metallic. Um, but then in Song of Ice and Fire, there doesn't seem to really be any distinction. And I almost want to say whenever they're born, their like, scale pattern and color is all pretty much random. Mm-hmm. There's no like bloodline of red dragons or green dragons. Funny enough, that's almost more mentioned in like the Targaryens themselves because there was a, the green Targaryens and the blacks and the reds. Mm-hmm. But right, and I think Game of Thrones goes specifically and distinguishes between worms, wyverns, and dragons. Mm. And so, like, I think they go like by which I think I really like how George R. R. Martin like he did. I th- I feel like he did that because they. I think somebody mentions how like wyverns still exist in like. Old Valyria, mm-hmm. and they like they still exist, mm-hmm. but but they like specify that they exist, and they know that, and then dragons are a different thing. And he like George R. R. Martin like respects the dragon character yes. species enough to like. It's not like okay, so in the Hobbit, Smaug is just like he's a dragon, he's just like mystical, whatever. But it's like they respect George R. R. Martin respects the dragons enough to like make species of it and like incorporate it into the world in that sense and make mm-hmm. sure that his characters respect the dragon class. You know, I, exactly. They're they're like a wyverns are like a faux dragon, um, and I think even in like Tolkien, he, Smaug is referred to as like a worm. W i o w y r m or like even a maybe even a wyvern or something. But there's, I, there's definitely a big difference between a wyvern 
which is like a, maybe like a pterodactyl kind of sort of thing, maybe? I think it goes with the biology. I, and again, we're talking about a fantastical creature, so it's hard to like mm-hmm. deal with science and things. But like, I think the biology is that a dragon has four legs. Sure. And wings. Yes. But I think a wyvern... Its wings are its other arms, yes. right? So, like, you can see how Drogon's walking and he's got his arms curled up. Like, mm-hmm. I think Drogon is technically a wyvern. And I almost want to say they did that for the show. Because I, I could be super wrong, and if anybody actually listens to this and they want to correct me, go right ahead. But I almost want to say that in the books, they have arms distinct from their wings. Right. But they did it for the show to make it look a little more real. To mm-hmm. make it look more believable, as odd as that might sound, as a making a dragon more believable. Mm-hmm. But I think they, they had some sort of biologist say like, no, if a dragon would exist, it wouldn't have arms and then wings. It would have its arms be its wings. But in the books, I almost want to say they have separate longer T-Rex arms. More mm-hmm. or less. Right. But and I, so then there's also mention, worth mentioning the distinction between worms. They mentioned like the fire worms of mm-hmm. Valyria. I think that's, I think that's what they were referring mm-hmm. to and that maybe wyverns are different, but like, and they are S- still the distinct like there's still the mm-hmm. distinct species, but I think it's actually the worms of Valyria that like yeah. So so continue. Yeah, they, they mentioned that they that the when the freehold of Valyria was established and uh, the Valyrians were super big into slaves. Valyrians were like total assholes back in the day. Um, at like the height of old Valyria, they were making slaves go down into the fourteen flames or like volcanoes, and inside there, they claim to not only have found dragon eggs, which that is kind of up for dispute in some people's opinions, including mine, but they also found fireworms in there. There's not a lot of detail on fireworms, but I like to imagine that they're kind of like a, like a hot dragon without wings, possibly. Mm-hmm. Or if, you know, if, if I had my way, I'd like it to be like a dune worm. That, mm-hmm. That'd be very cool. If yeah. they were more dune-esque, but I think that's me asking a, a little too much. But um, there's a really awesome scene in Fire and Blood where uh, there was two Targaryen twins and like they switched place at birth they had their own little side story, but one of them ended up stealing Balerion the Black Dread. Like, as he's super, super old. Oh. Stealing him, she flew away for a year, didn't come back. Came back, I think, to, like, Dragonstone, and um, she was, like, very ill and very sick and didn't look good, but also Balerion had a gigantic gash in his side, and he was looking all fucked up, and I'm pretty sure he died, like, right after. But when she showed up, they were like, oh, my God, her skin is, like, boiling to the touch. What are we going to do? They put her in, like, an ice bath, and she died from the shock right away. But then all these tiny little worms. Actually, some of them were like a few inches. Some of them were the length of a forearm. They crawled out of her body. Some of them had human hands and human faces. And they died when they touched the cold. So people think that that Valerian flew her back to old Valyria. Because he was the only living being that had been there before the doom. Went there. Something fucked him up. Like something big and badass enough to wreck Valerian the Black Dread. Valerian, Valerian the Black Dread mm-hmm. messed them up, but then she had some weird little like symbiotic, uh, parasitic worms yeah, inside. And it's just it was one of the most badass and disgusting parts of all Fire and Blood. It's I can check that out. It's very cool. all right. Uh, the next one that I wrote down, I'm kind of blending into this is a little like, a different category. It's a kind of between themes and creatures. Mm-hmm. But have you heard much about the Brindlemen of Sothorios? I have not. So the Brindlemen are. Um, they're like a, they almost look like a primitive person. They have like patchy skin where some of it's like a darker tone, some of it's lighter. But they also mentioned that they have like a pug or pig-like nose with a bigger lower jaw. And like, they might even mention like some tusks. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have speculated, I'm fully on board with this camp, that this is Martin's version of orcs. Mm-hmm. And yep. yeah, that's because they, I think universally across um, 
fantasy works are agreed upon as like half pig half man. yes like that's that's the thing that they're going for yes. and, and yeah. it's very much in especially in dungeons and dragons in like first edition if you ever see any of the artwork for orcs it's very tolkien-esque and it's very like pigmen mm-hmm. and i really think that they um that's him kind of being like these are the orcs of my world people wouldn't necessarily call them orcs they think they're just kind of like a weird type of person mm-hmm. you see them a handful of times and i think you even see them in the main story i think a couple of them fight in the fighting pits in marina one but um, to me, that's kind of him saying, like, yeah, these are the, these are the orcs. And the Valyrians are almost kind of dipping into elf territory, maybe. Maybe, like, Dragonlancean elf territory. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's humans. And I don't know if there's any, like, dwarves. But it's him kind of touching on classic fantasy mm-hmm. races, which because, is very cool. Right. So, the, like, Valyrians and the Targaryens are, like... I think you'll see in... in even the, the Netflix movie Bright did this really good. Mm-hmm. Where, like... The elves are really always in charge of things. Mm-hmm. And so, like, tall, blonde, in charge of stuff, like, Val- like Valyrian, Targaryen, and Elf are all three like that. So exactly. It's, yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. And they're they're kind of, like, the more mystical. Like, the, the Targaryen, not just the Targaryen, the Valyrians had, like, a, an inherently magical bloodline. Mm-hmm. Not only was their bloodline magical, they had boons from it, but they were also kind of chaotic and some were kind of crazy. They also had weird... Part dragon, part person bodies. The coin flipping. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. that. Hi, and welcome to a plug for the Media Obscura podcast. What? I know, you thought I was just going to start an episode, but this That's is a plug. So weird. Yeah. Hi, everybody. This is not the podcast you thought you'd be listening to right now. It's a plug for a different one, but we'll, we'll let you get to your show really soon. I promise. My name is Nick. This is my faithful co-host, Mike. Hey. He isn't allowed in the state of Utah for reasons that I can't even fully disclose. No, you can't. I just don't understand them, it's honestly. Illegal. So anyway, on our show, we check out old and obscure retro movies, and we talk about them. Now, I know you're wondering, well, who are you to consider something obscure? You know, what what's obscure? Well, honestly, yeah. it's an excuse for us to watch just the weirdest stuff we can get our hands on, as well as a couple of old classics, and then banter about it. So if that's your cup of tea and you want to check it out, give us a listen. Of course. And uh, here's, here's your show. And bye. Love you. But then if I'm going into the more like themes from that as a segue, I have a section on uh, the different gods and pantheons. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a lot more detail in Dungeons and Dragons with gods and pantheons. There's a shitload. There's a bunch. Mm-hmm. And you kind of need that if you're going to have clerics and paladins and yep. people that are going to get powers from them. But there are some really cool gods and pantheons in the Song of Ice and Fire. Now, there's obviously the Seven, which is kind of dipping into like or going in the direction of Catholicism a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe kind of the motif he's going for. Yeah. Um, but then I really like the weird Essos gods, um, mm-hmm. like the Black Goat, which is a very, um, he's like mm-hmm. a, de- is a death god. Yeah. Um, there's also like the Manifest God, which you see in the House of Black and White. Yep. And also there's some really cool, you don't get a lot of detail on them, but there's some, I think they're called Lysini gods. Mm-hmm. They're mentioned in Fire and Blood. I, yep. There's a Pantera, the cat-faced, six-breasted cat god. And there was a guy, right. yeah, named fucking Pantera. <laughs> and uh, I think there was a there was a guy who like worshipped Pantera and kept the shadow cat as a pet. But then mm-hmm. one day, accidentally let it out and then like it mauled him to death. There's some other really fun ones. I also think it's worth mentioning that when Arya is in the House of Black and White, and she sees all the different kinds of gods that represent death across all different um, mm-hmm. pantheons, she sees a werewood tree, which I think is pretty cool because people often think. The old gods might be more of like a benevolent, but there's a lot of things that suggest that they're not. Yeah. So that is wild. It's okay. very wild. 
yeah, there's a lot. There's a. I think she sees the stranger there. The black goat. There's a couple other ones, but like there's a weirwood tree just in the house of black and white, which mm-hmm. is I think very interesting. Right. Uh, what else? I got a couple more. Oh, here's one. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned this before, where there's a lot of like Lovecraftian influences. Oh yes, and I, I, yeah, yeah. You say something. I feel like that's. Oh man, I I didn't get much into it because it. I remember I was just coming off of reading something. That was like thick and like full of an. It, it might have been like V for Vendetta. Oh sure. And I moved straight from V for Vendetta to, like the tales of like the Lovecraft mythos or whatever. <laughs> and I started to read it, and it's just like I, I like to alternate things, so I like to go like super thick reading, not so much, and I just like totally missed the mark, and like I didn't quite get into it, and then I started reading Game of Thrones, and it's taken me about two years so to thick, read. Thick to thick to thick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was just like. You're reading, 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 and it's like, whoa, and then you're, like, reading, 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 and then you're just like, it, you, yeah. You just, oh, yeah, I totally get that. You, If I could crush it up and line it up, i just, <laughs> just, There's, um, this is super off topic, but have you ever read any Dan Simmons? He's one of my favorite science fiction writers of all time. Mm-hmm. There's a story he did, um, there's two books called Ilium and Olympos. It was very far future sci-fi, but with very fun themes of Greek mythology in there. And there was like a there was some technology that humans had created at one point where you go and took a crystalline pod and this yellow syrup fills fills into this pod and you can't breathe and you feel like you're suffocating, but the yellow syrup is nourishing your body so that you don't die. But you're constantly having this feeling that you're suffocating and you can't scream. But in the process of you being in there for like 14 hours, mm-hmm. you um, get you basically get like matrixed a bunch of downloaded information into your brain. Mm-hmm. And this guy, like, he did it, and he's like, I want to I wanna learn everything. I want to go all to, to all the other ones. They're like, you're going to die if you do that. You got one. That's enough. So what you said kind of reminds me of that, mm-hmm. where if I could just, like, suffocate for 14 hours and learn everything, that'd be kind of dope. But, yeah. But back to the, to the Lovecraftian stuff. Lovecraft, yep. Uh, so there's, um, there's a lot of, obviously, Lovecraftian references in Dungeons & Dragons as well. And I, th- I think Gary Gygax, obviously big grandfather of D&D, he mentioned that Lovecraft was like a big influence. Like, there's the Kuatoa, which I don't know if you know Kuatoa. They're in the Monster Manual. They're just like, they're fish people, mm-hmm. uh, which Lovecraft is obviously big into fish people. Yeah. And um, I think they're, they're they're pretty blatant, and I almost want to say somewhat at one point, Gary might have even said straight up, this is from Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. But then there's even uh, a lot of relations with like stars and Starborn. I think Starborn might even be a Lovecraft thing. But they're also new creatures in a relatively new publication. And it, a lot of like Lovecraftian deep old ones or others coming from like distant stars mm-hmm. is uh, you see it in Dungeons and Dragons and you see it also in A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like the Church of Starry Wisdom, which is really, really cool. Yeah. They've, yeah. Tell me more about that. I yeah. Guess I haven't heard of that. It's, so I, it was founded by the Bloodstone Emperor. So he was, um, I want to say, so. We're going way back in the day to the time of the Great Empire of the of the Golden Dawn. I think it's called uh, mm-hmm. the Empire, the Great Empire of the Golden Dawn, something like that. Empire of the Dawn, and they were like a they were like a, a utopia civilization, and it was said that their first leader, I think he was the Golden Emperor, or he was the God Emperor. He was allegedly divine. He ruled for like a thousand years allegedly, and then he's like, "Hey, I did a good job. I'm bouncing out of this planet." He ascended to the heavens, and then after he left. Everything went to chaos. Everything went to shit. And then the 67th Amethyst Emperor, her brother, betrayed her, took over the place, and he became the Bloodstone Emperor. 
and he said that no, it was said of him that he took a tiger woman for a bride, which I mm-hmm. you know cool I guess maybe he practiced necromancy, got into some bad shit, and then also was the founder of the Church of Starry Wisdom. Right after he started worshiping a black stone that fell from the sky, which is pretty pretty obviously what Lovecraftian shit. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, there's also tie-ins with Euron and his blood eye possibly being a chunk of that meteor in his in his eye, which is very very cool. I can see. And they they do that. I'm I'm I feel like it's in there. But yeah, I'm, yeah. That's pretty much all I really have to say about it. Just being creatures from deep outer space, mm-hmm. old ones influencing the world. Right. Because I think, yeah. Because this is this is still Dungeons and Dragons. No, this is both. Really. So okay. So I feel like. That's that's the thing that I like about fantasy is that like fantasy really doesn't cross with sci-fi really much and so you you like categorize sci-fi like outer space things with sci-fi mm-hmm. but it's cool to see those like little nods to it, it like, is. So from deep in the stars and like astrology because you you're still like cuz fantasy is like taking it's a, it's a specific historical fiction but it's like medieval times and mm-hmm. like there's still that fascination of like what's out there mm-hmm. you know because you like look up and you see stars, and by that time everybody knows that they're not like they know that there's a difference between stars and planets. I feel like is kind of a thing, yeah. and so like there's that certain like the beginnings of sci-fi wonderings in medieval, and so like kind of they like touch a little bit, and then they like go apart, and so like seeing that is always nice, I guess. But I kind I I heard the rumor I think that like there's a piece of that rock in Euron's eye yeah. or something. Because I think it was in that pre-released chapter from The Winds of Winter mm-hmm. where um, his brother Aaron is tripping hard on some shade of the evening, mm-hmm. which is that warlock wine. Mm-hmm. And he sees his brother and one of his eyes is his good eye and the other eye is his blood eye. Mm-hmm. And it, it obviously gets a lot of conjecture, but people are like, blood stone, blood eye. Um, people think that he might have gone to Valyria or maybe even gone to Ashai or the Far East got a chunk of maybe that, that most recent meteor that was a big deal in the earlier part of the story. Oh, that yeah. It crashed yeah. down, and it's kind of like a great old one or an other influencing him in a certain way. And he gets a chunk of it, sacrifices like a part of himself, part of his eye to it, and it gains power. Which I really think that's something that George is hinting at. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like if he wasn't, that'd be a big waste. Yeah. And I, that's a really cool theme that you see in a lot of different works of fantasy. Have you ever read Dresden Files at all? I have not. No. You, you should. They're good. I gotta work on this. I have I have this list. I hang out with too many smart people. They're like, "Hey, do you read?" And I'm like, "Kind of a little bit." And then they're like, "I have this long list." Dresden Files. Dresden I'm Files. Adding it to the list. Yeah. All right. Just add those fourteen books to your list. They're they're, oh fairly, they're fairly quick. They're maybe like three four hundred pages ish. Okay. So. so it's 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 not quite like the stake of Game of Thrones. No, it's not. Okay. It's not. But there's a theme in there that um, there is like the world itself contained. It has its own magic and it has its own powerful entities, but at the same time there are others, quote-unquote, great others, great old ones, mm-hmm. Lovecraftian beings from outside of our reality pushing into our own, or pushing into like the system. Mm-hmm. Which, another good tie to D&D, or like just any aberration, so like Beholders, yep. um, like a, I think a Bahir might be, maybe not, an Abolith definitely is, mm-hmm. any of those weird um, creatures that can't quite be defined as like a monster or a beast, I think they even say this is something. There are something that slips in like little thin areas of reality from like the deep outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beholders being like, probably the, the biggest example. Mind players as well. They're, yeah. they're another big one. And I think 
I think too that like sci so I think that sci-fi and fantasy are on the same bar sometimes and you just move the slider, right? Yeah. So like so if you because the blur between magic and science is tricky and it, it it's because there will be there will be a point in time it like if you if human civilization keeps on going They'll look back and they'll watch Star Wars, and Star Wars will become historical fiction for them. And they'll be like, wow, lightsabers? Like, mm. I got one of those. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got one of those. Like, <laughs> kind of thing. And so you just, like, take the slider and you move it. And so, like, if you could take... So so if you... Okay. And, here, and that ties into my other theory about dragons, where, like, I think that dragons... Okay, this is... Ta- a tangent of a tangent of a tangent. Go as far deep into the rabbit hole as you want. Imagine you're a peasant farmer in the year 1300. You're just out tending your field and you see a Black Hawk helicopter show mm. up. Or you see like an A-10. If you see an A-10 warthog show up. Yeah. And just like demolish a castle or something <laughs> like that. And you're like trying. So that happens, right? And you go to the bar and you're explaining what happens. Because like you and I. These people, I'm vague, I'm vaguely gesturing at the computer. These people know what an A10 warthog is, but like if he doesn't, like to him that's magic, mm-hmm. but to us that's science. And so like really, science fiction and fantasy are just like you're just moving the slider. You know? Exactly. And so yeah, it's tricky that like you know it's it's very true, right? Yeah, it's very it's very good. And George does a really awesome. He has a really awesome way of. Uh, of doing that, he d- he does a really good blend where he primarily stays in like a lower-ish kind of fantasy setting, but he sprinkles in those dashes of science fiction. And he did a lot of science fiction before um, mm-hmm. he wrote *Sunrise and Fire*. And there's the whole theory that like that's the aftermath of *Game of* or that they like exist in the same. Yeah, the, there is some of that. I'm not sure how much it. I, I think that George even went on record saying that that's not true. Mm-hmm. So that's it's a really cool idea. Yeah. I know people have even thought that the reason why a shy is all fucked up and dark is because like a, it's the aftermath of like a nuclear bomb or a nuclear Holocaust. But I think he also even said that that's not the case. So really cool ideas, but I think straight from the horse's mouth, he says it's not right. Um, another fun one that you might not be aware of in Dungeons and Dragons. There are a lot of deep space kind of things. One of them being one of my favorite mid tier creatures, the frog hemoth. The frog hemoth. I'm gonna have to sh- look at. Look did at I bring bowls down? I did. The fr- I used frog hemoth once in my um, in my homebrew campaign. I actually turned right to it. Wow. I fucking love the frog hemoth. That is a goober looking monster. Oh yeah. It's look a, at him. It's a huge category. Um, it's a CR ten, so it's, he's pretty beefy. He's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. But they they straight up like come from spaceships that land on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're actually it, it, like that's the first heading. Otherworldly entities. Exactly. They're very fun. So yeah, D and D does a pretty good job. Even and I think that's even a really old, a really old creature too. It was in like uh, first or second edition, and they revived him for fifth. And they they've always done a really fun way of you know tapping the slider over a little bit more towards the SF side. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. a that's a cool example. Nice. Um, Mind flare is also possibly from outer space too. Yeah. But they're talk, a whole. Talk to me about mind flayers. I'm kind of new to them. Yeah. So mind flare, The idea behind mind flayers is that there are um, they're like an aberration, and the general accepted theory behind them is that they are like a race of people that came from the distant future and they're like time displaced and they're constantly moving backwards in time. Mm-hmm. Um, like at one point they came from a future that they were the dominant species. Like yeah. all humanoids either became them or like they were enslaved by them wherever they came from. People don't know, but they were like the dominant things. There was an event that happened, I think possibly tied with the Gith, which are a separate 
weird race of people, mm-hmm. but they are like moving backwards in time. Okay. Which I'm not entirely sure if I wrap my head around that fully, but they um. But if you're looking at them just at face value, they're kind of Cthulhu-esque squid people that have psionic powers, mm-hmm. and they can do some pretty crazy psionic blasts, and they eat brains. They eat brains. They eat right. brains. So okay. that's a mind flare. Mm-hmm. Us. They they have some fun cool stuff. All right, yeah, I just I have some vague questions in here too. So mm-hmm. those are kind of my main ones. Um, I did talk about this side thing before um, in terms of like artifacts. Obviously, mm-hmm. magical artifacts are a big thing in just fantasy in general, mm-hmm. but also you see them a lot in Dungeons and Dragons, being it's like a fantasy mm-hmm. RPG, yep. people like in their loot. But you also have some cool ones in Song of Ice and Fire. Yep. One of them, I think a really cool example, uh, if you know Lightbringer, the sword that yep. Zora High uses, mm-hmm. that is to me very clearly like a firebrand sword or maybe even a sunblade, mm-hmm. which you see in Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. Uh, I also kind of made a distinction in the last rant that I did where the others, they craft ice in such a way that oh, people yeah, can't use. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, because they, I think with being the other, it's it's just straight up ice, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like, it's just nuts. It's, it's like magically worked ice, but it's yeah. basically just ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to like, to go on another, to bring in another universe into this, I'm pretty sure in Elder Scrolls, like Stalrim, the... Whatever the Dragonborn DLC from Skyrim. Yeah. The Stallrim is like the same idea where it's just like, it's pretty much ice, but they forge it into stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's badass. It, I feel like you know a lot more about um, Elder Scroll lore yeah, than I do. A little bit. I, I did my toe into it. I played Skyrim. That's about what I got. Yeah. You know, that there's also some other things that I mentioned before with... Um, there are some magical horn items in the dungeon in the DMG. Mm-hmm. Like there's like the horns of Valhalla, and they're based off of different uh, classes. Yeah, probably like, one's like a bronze horn, one's like an iron horn, and you can summon creature or like ghosts of berserkers to fight for you or some shit. But then that kind of harkens to the magical horn. You see a few of them in Song of Ice and Fire. You got the mm-hmm. Kraken horn, the Dragon horn, Dragon Binder, yeah. Dragon Binder, yeah. the Horn of Jormund, uh, that whole thing. Because okay, that's so Game of Thrones theory number zillion whatever. <laughs> Some people say that, because eventually it comes out, right, that he found the Horn of Jorland or whatever, and then some people say that it's a fake and that he's hidden it. And mm-hmm. so, like, nobody knows where it is, but they, so there's, like, all of the, those different things. Yep. So, what's your take? <sighs> That's a tough one, man. Like, I, I know that at one point, I think when they were at the Fist of the First Men, they found, like, a cracked horn, and they tried to fix it, and John even tried to blow into it, but nothing happened. Mm-hmm. I like to imagine that anytime anything magical or otherwise is brought up by martin there's some at least kernel of truth behind it so it could exist i just don't know if we're gonna see it and that's gonna be a recurring thing with all these fun themes is yeah we hear about a kraken horn are we ever even gonna really see a kraken probably not quite honestly which is fine as much as i'd like to see one same with the horn of jormund People have speculated that the Horn of Jormund might actually cause like earthquakes, and that's why it can bring down the wall. That yeah, uh, because that's instead, what I've heard. like you know, they, it quote wakes giants from the earth, sleeping giants from the earth. But that could be like a a fun fantasy way of saying earthquakes. And they right, and so I think and George R. R. Martin does the, does this thing where he like he uses different phrases. So he uses different phrases and he keeps repeating them, mm-hmm. and that's how you can see the threads. So like different things about. Um, I forget what it is, but it's like, so Arya, she's got all of her things, like she's, I forget exactly what it is, but she's like quick like a, it's kind of something similar to like quick like a bee, um, floats like a butterfly, floats like a butterfly, <laughs> those kinds of things, and so then, 
she's like going for through her water dancing and so people tie it to that he keeps writing and using the same language yes. and it keeps writing and sounding like she's going to kill them out. Yeah. Right? No, that's very true. Right. And so like some of the same language, so back to the horn and stuff, they they take that same language and they bring that back to the arm of Dorne. Yes. And yes, 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 yes. The sleeping giants or whatever broke that mm-hmm. and then now that's just like the archipelago and then I think that like the... He obviously used that to say the Horn of Jorman wakes sleeping giants from the earth or whatever that says. So yeah. I think that earthquakes yes, is the... that's very true. There's another one where um, there's a there's a big name in like Song of Ice and Fire scholars on YouTube. Um, his name is or he calls himself Lucifer means Lightbringer. He's got a real he's got a lot of really hooky dooky ideas, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good shit behind it. Mm-hmm. There's times when like he'll be guesting on someone's show or like I'll watch his own show, and some of the shit he says, I'm like, man, that's really really out there. But then he'll tie it into a thing, and I'm like, okay, there might be something behind that. Mm-hmm. There's one idea that he in the vein of what we're talking about, um, the others and the Kingsguard are, are described with like virtually the same descriptives all the time, mm-hmm. uh, like pale as milk glass or a lot of the words they use to describe are the the same so there are multiple instances in song of ice and fire where martin will describe two things in the same way as connecting them just like how you said with aria or uh earthquakes in the arm of dorn blah 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 i think the next things i would like to ask you about two questions well i have a question and then i want to talk to you about your campaign because i'd like i'd like to know more about that okay so um the last thing in terms of like song of ice and fire who would your favorite character be? And knowing what they are, what like class would you think they are? Okay. Favorite character in Game of Thrones. Um, I did some thinking about it, right? And I feel like there are different things that you can like about people. And like some of it falls under... So I really like the character of Jamie Lannister just because sure. like his redemption arc is like... And I know that we're primarily talking about Song of Ice and Fire, like the book specifically. Mm-hmm. But like, if we could delve into the TV show that's for a fun. moment, for sure. what I really like is how, and I feel like that's the direction they might take with Jamie Lannister, right? They're like, he's got this big long redemption arc, and then in the end, he's just like, I don't deserve it, and he just like goes back and undoes all of it, pretty much. And so like, that's a st- that's like a story that nobody's heard before, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. I've got dead parents and now I'm angry and I'm going to go kill people about it. Everybody's heard that before. Like Rocket like Rocket Raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy, he's like, you got dead people? We all have dead people. Yep. And like after that moment, I was like, everybody has dead people. Like you exactly. can't like, that's such a cheap thing. Mm-hmm. And so... You've seen it a thousand times. Yeah. yeah. And like, so the complex story arc, I kind of owe more to like George R. R. Martin than I do to Jamie Lannister, but I really do like Jamie Lannister a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite character is probably Barristan Selmy. Very cool. Because... I don't think he gets enough love. I really don't. Right. Because he he really has seen... He really has seen the most out of anybody. He was... Because he was the king's guard for five different kings? Or was it four? It was a lot. I can't can't tell you the number, but... A buttload of kings. And then, like... Obviously, like, top three skilled fighter in all of Westeros. Like, it's it's pretty... Like, you might... A lot of people, like... I feel like there are tiers of fighter, right? So there are, like, legendary fighters, like... Him, the mountain, etc. But like, I don't know that the mountain is a really good swordsman. No, no, he's, he's just—he's just like giant, he, he's, and it's impossible to and, kill. And he's constantly drinking milk of the poppy, so he doesn't really feel pain. Right. So he's like, you know, he—he's just brute force. He, he, I always kind of considered the difference between the mountain and the hound. The the mountain is is a barbarian with dipped levels of fighter, mm-hmm. and the hound is a fighter with dipped levels of barbarian. Yep. Because he the, the yeah. mountain doesn't have a lot of skill. He's just a fucking brute. Yeah, um, but it's a perfect way to describe it. Yeah. Um, 
And so, but like universally, Barristan Selmy, Arthur Dane, and then like sometimes I forget where I was going with that. Anyway, Barristan Selmy, I feel like his character class in D&D is tricky because it doesn't translate. And I feel like a lot of people just get funneled into fighter. Exactly. Because fighter is like... So if you're, and it kind of depends on your role playing. So if you're a wizard, you're like a bookish nerd kind of thing and you can like blow shit up. And then like, if you're a bard, you're like kind of snarky and you play a musical instrument. But like with a fighter, like that's where you would fit samurai. That's where you would fit mm. professional archer, mm-hmm. merc, like all of those things into fighter. Or like a polearm person. Right. Or, or yeah. Like, yeah. Like those mm-hmm. weird, not sword and sheet, not like sword and board, not bow and arrow. Exactly. Weapons, because exactly. I feel like it's one, two, and three is the categories. But so yeah, I would say Barrison Selmy and then Fighter. I how I, about I mentioned him in my solo rant. Um, and I, I there's not a lot of good translations to Paladin in a Song of Ice and Fire, mm-hmm. but in the classic idea of a paladin where they swear oaths and they're very loyal and like chivalrous people, the classic um, personification of a paladin is very much Barrison Selmy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Brienne of Tarth kind of gets into that one too. Yeah. So I would say Brienne of Tarth like definitely is the code of oath and stuff. Yes. Because yeah. yeah, she's in there. Uh, I think uh, Barak Dondarrion is another good example of paladin. Mm-hmm. That's the same one. He's he's a literal paladin. He literally like, he, 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 he is. is a paladin. Yeah. And Thoros of Mirror is like a cleric. He's a he's a light cleric. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and Melisandre is straight up a light cleric. But yeah. my favorite character um, I mentioned before the top two are Marwyn the Mage and probably Euron. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of fall into like the Euron fanboy stuff because he's he's got way more complexities than you would at first assume, mm-hmm. um, especially with that Winds of Winter chapter that dropped when he like oh and I, I so I don't really get into it much but in that Winds of Winter chapter it's called the Forsaken from the point of view of Aaron um, in one of his Shade of the Evening trips that Euron is like forcing him to take he sees all the gods. Um, of the world being impaled on the Iron Throne and sitting on the Iron Throne is Euron, but he looks like fucking Davy Jones from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He looks like Cthulhu. Even the drowned god is being sacrificed to him and Euron says, pray to me, brother. I am your king. I am your god and I will raise you up as my high priest. He's got this god complex where he's trying to flip off every god that exists and be like, no, I'm the god now. Um, That's just some of the really cool... um, imagery that I really, really like, and especially with that hinted blood eye shit. Like, mm-hmm. he, um, to me, Euron would be a, like, swashbuckler rogue, but also a big old dip into Warlock of the Great Old One. Yeah. And which, yep. you know, yeah, he's straight up like that. And otherwise, if we're going Marwyn, he's some type of wizard. Um, it's hard to get into, like, classes of wizard with a Song of Ice and Fire because it kind of all bleeds, but maybe a little bit of divination because he's got a glass candle that I believe works, which yeah, is... right. Not a lot of people have those. Because, um... Snap. I forgot what I was going to say. Keep going. Yeah. Um, but then I he, had a thing. Uh, Wait, there it is. Go for it. Mr. Marwin, who's... Which house is he to? Or, like, who's his... Oh, like, his... His, like, uh, bloodline? I don't... Or, like, where does he work, I guess? Oh, he works in the Citadel. Oh, okay. Or he so works, he's, he works so he's at the Citadel. He's at the okay. Citadel. He is at okay. the Citadel. I know Sam meets up with him at some point. Okay. Um, it's all, but he's another interesting one, too, because it's mentioned that he also makes sacrifices to queer gods at the docks. And it's mentioned, I think it's insinuated, because um, it's also mentioned that people in the Church of the Story of Wisdom often will have, like, little shrines 
you know, like holdings of their meetings at the docks. Hmm. So it's kind of insinuated that Marwyn's in, in the Church of Starry Wisdom, which we're kind of getting into warlock territory now. Yeah. So it, it all kind of bleeds together with that mystical, like I say, hooky dooky shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had to say my favorite character of all time, it's probably going to go to Euron. He's just got so many cool things going on with him. And yeah. that's one you don't really see in a high fantasy book or even a low fantasy book, a warlock pirate. Right. You don't see that shit. That's right. That's new. It's a breath of fresh air. Because I think if you, so like if you look at, if you look at the different, um, so if you, so you'd look at the different classes, right? And it, it, across fiction, just fiction in general, like typically they fall into fighter barbarian, like they fight, they mm-hmm. fall into the D&D class exactly. system. And so like you have your paragon, you have your paragon f- figures and people of each class, right? And so, like, your Paragon Ranger is obviously Ash Ketchum from Pokemon. <laughs> right? Like, so, like, that. And then you're, like, Paragon Druid is going to be, like, Swamp Thing. And I, I thought for sure you were going to say Legless, and you you, uh, you hit me with the Ash, which I, I, I appreciate. <laughs> right, because, like, I feel like the two of the two things of the Ranger, it's, like, hangs out with animals yep. and then Archer. Exactly. So, your Paragon Pirate is, like, Han Solo. Yeah, and so I, I just like, and Han Solo's just like, yeah, your lightsabers and whatever. He, he's just like very dismissive of magic, but Euron is like into it, very into and it. He, and he accumulates. He's got like a full plate of Valyrian steel, which is something in the thing. Oh dang! Oh yeah, he he legitimately has a full plate of Valyrian steel. He's got Dragonbinder. He's um, I can't remember if there's any other magical things that he's got, but he's accumulating like other wizards and priests. Mm-hmm. Um, quite possibly his bloodstone eye is something. Yeah. So yeah, it's something you just don't see. You don't, it breaks the mold, mm-hmm. which Martin does a good job of having a lot of good homages to the mold and then breaking the mold in multiple other ways, which is kind of going back to what you're saying about Jamie. It's very cool that, and hopefully the books handle it better than the show. Cause in my opinion, the show took a big wet shit on Jamie's story. Yeah. But that that can be well done, where he's got a redemption thing, but at the very end of it, he's like, you know what, fuck it, I don't deserve it, and he goes back on it, and it's it's a it's a tragedy. I'm sure Martin can write it better than what the shows did, right? But it's something you don't see, which is very a breath of fresh air. And my biggest <laughs> somebody somebody warned me. They were like, all right, you're gonna get to Clash of Kings, like it's gonna be a lot of energy, and then it's gonna get really boring. And I was like, ha, don't believe you. <laughs> and then I read Clash of Kings kind of like this. I like held the book out, and I was like. Okay, Tyrion's going down the river. All right, let's check this page. Tyrion's going down the river. All right. And I just, like, I read it like that because it's, like, for 400 pages, he's just walking across Essos. Mm -hmm. And so I just, like, that's how I saw it, right? And I was, but, like, really, he goes, he goes, because I don't know if he feels sorry for killing Tywin, but he feels, he's definitely affected by it. He he wants to die really bad, Mm -hmm. but, like, he just can't kill himself. He's just going to, like, I feel like he's He's going to just... Right. And so it's just weird. He doesn't know how to handle it. And so really, like, somebody came back and they said, no, that's like him going through his brain space and trying to figure that out. And so then I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And I felt really bad for reading it that way. So George R. R. Martin is going to, in the next two books, fine, if if we stick to the main plot points, right? Bran ends up on the throne, Daenerys burns down King's Landing, and... That so that one I forget what we're oh the uh, what the Jamie dying Jamie dying yeah we're gonna see that happen over five hundred pages exactly and we're gonna get into it and that's where the show goes wrong because HBO was like here's a blank check right Go forever do whatever you need like if you need extra seasons fine but no they were like 
we need six episodes. Mm-hmm. And if if all of the same things would have happened, if like Brand's on the throne, Arya goes to find out what's west of Westeros. Like yeah, I'm not a big fan of that one. No. Yeah. But like, so if those same thing things happen, what you sh- what what I feel they should have done. And again, they owe nothing to me. Like they're they're just making a show, and I'm just watching it. Yeah, I would have had one season in winter, one season in the north, right where it ends with the Battle of Winterfell. Yep, the Night King is dead. Yep, and then they're like, "All right, let's go figure this lady out." Yep, and then it's a whole other season. But exactly. really, it was just like, and it, the crowning moment of Game of Thrones was that like. Was Daenerys burning down King's Landing like she was supposed to be on the throne, mm-hmm. right? And it was all about getting the entire show was about her getting to the throne and the continuation of the Targaryen dynasty, right? And so the whole plot point of her going crazy and burning it down and like figuring it out and like we're gonna go take over the rest of the world happens in three episodes, mm-hmm. and then they were like, "Oh, but didn't you know she watched her brother die and like get <laughs> get his crown like, and that's when she started going crazy." But like they didn't write that or do that very well and i it, think it didn't feel earned right but, but like you like i think what you're trying to get to is and i completely agree martin will make it seem earned bingo yes i i just i do this thing where i like talk too much <laughs> but yeah yeah no you did a great job it'll about. be earned yeah i think it, it'll definitely be earned with martin real quick there was one other theory that i i was going to mention at the beginning mm-hmm. and then i had thought of it and i don't want to lose track of it it's a recent one that i heard have you ever heard the stuff about how people think that Tyrion might actually be the Mad King's son? Yeah. So, yep. But then I heard someone say, like, it would make a lot more sense if Cersei and Jaime were actually the Mad King's son. Because they obviously have a real, they have a big hint at, like, being Targaryens with their incest. So, mm-hmm. and it would make a lot more poetic sense that Tyrion is Tywin's only son. Because he's always saying, like, oh, you're no son of mine. He clearly is the most hated one. But in actuality, he was his only legitimate son that's weird. i think that'd be really cool um i i like to believe that's true because obviously aegon the mad king had the hots for whatever the lannister's mom was i forget joanna i think yeah 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 because yeah. i think Good it's pull. joanna and then jenna yeah and they were yeah do you enjoy learning about weird things that happen in our everyday life woman does karate son gets nude dog steals cornbread mix from walmart police say man marries hologram UK installs knife surrender bin to curb knife crime. Criminals steal all the knives. Just search Tessa and Elliot Argue. That's E-L-L-I-O-T. Or visit TessaElliotArgue.com. So then the last thing I wanted to talk about with you is I want to hear about uh, your campaign. Tell me about your campaign. Oh my Tell gosh. me about, because uh, you're, you're doing a homebrew. Yep. Yeah. And this is my first time being a DM. This is my first time playing Dungeons and Dragons, which like, is awesome in general. But it it was kind of like, um. So I ju- I just moved back, and I was like just getting a job, just like figuring out, like kind of trying to figure. And I'm like moving back to where I'm from, and so I was like, I want I want to play Dungeons and Dragons. Like I I've heard I've almost played with you. We, we that came one time. we came really close. So close. And then because wasn't I doing like a was I doing a post by play for a little bit. Or is that what you were going to get in on? I forget. I'm not certain. Because I know I remember we talked about it, and I, mm-hmm. you sent me an awesome backstory, and I remember I sent you some pages for the, the barbarian. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. I um and I, I, I for a hot second I tried doing a post by play Facebook group and it just wasn't feasible. But yeah, continue. Um. So, like that had almost happened, and then my sister who like 
I wouldn't have pegged my older sister for playing, but she like found a group and she's playing in Monticello, Iowa. Or oh, she really? was. And then one of my other friends just t- just started playing, and he he did the same thing where he like just started playing, just was the DM, like mm-hmm. his first game. That's what happened to me too. And so then I was just kind of sitting there, and I was like, I want to play some Dungeons and Dragons, man. Like I want to finally get into this. And I texted like three people, and then they each knew people, and then we like formed this group, and then they were like, so who's going to be the DM? And I was like. Kind of look around, and I was like, I guess I'm the DM, you know, because like other people had experience, but I like, I think I heard it one time where like people have it like when you play D- Dungeons and Dragons, you have a character and you're playing that character, but as the like, I don't have one singular character, I play the table, like this is my story, and like I'm the god where this happens, and I've always liked that. So, well, in real quick side hand, yeah, I back when we were in you and I, you showed me some of your like uh, short stories that you wrote, mm-hmm. and I, re- I remember to this day, Shovel was fucking badass. Shovel was I, badass. I, I love Shovel. Yeah, I, I remember because um, you sent me that one, and I apologize, I can't remember the other one, but I just remember Shovel was fucking awesome. And like we would talk about stories all the time, mm-hmm. um, and then we talked about what like the Arbor Man sort of thing that I made. The Arbor Man. But um, I just remember your, your your writing was awesome. So like having you as a DM would be a real treat. Um. Yeah. Thank you. That's very flattering. Thank you. Um, Dungeons and Dragons didn't exist. So it, it was like on a Wednesday. And then I was like, okay, so I need to like make up a world or I need to go buy it. And I was like, I had heard that you could like buy stories and you could like do stories. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to. I wanted something more than go here, kill this guy, kill this guy, kill the bad guy, done. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. And I also wanted to. So then. So it's established. I'm the DM, right? And. Um, so I was like, okay, so what do I do? And I'm, I didn't want to buy one. I didn't want to like research and try and find like, oh, what sandbox world? Because that, that was the other thing that was really important to me is like when I was designing it, I designed situations and people and I like held on to those. And then I was like, do whatever kind of. And I should have given more direction to my players because I have one player who's he's kind of like overpowering other people a little bit. And I feel like one person has to stand up and be the leader, but it's just like... Mm. I don't know. It, 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 it's fine. It's it just happens. challenging. It but um, so I was like, I'm going to make a sandbox world. And so I, I like know who people are and I know how countries will react. But like as far as the story goes, it's all pretty like dependent on what they're doing. And so kind of this, how the story goes is on this planet, there's this continent and it's like shaped vaguely like a sausage, like a <laughs> breakfast sausage. Okay. It's just like a lumpy tube. <laughs> Like a turd. Like it's a turd. Like a turd. Want, like a turd. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a big long turd. And so at one end is, at one end is like primarily um, uh, artistic, bureaucratic, like uh, offensive. Like mm-hmm. it's mostly like the elf domain, right? And so, like, so that's the biggest superpower. And then over here on the other end of the turd is like. <laughs> Is another like more down to earth like military kind of, I I would put it like, I don't know I don't know how I put it anyway they're like more military and they it's a lot of like they're both very capitalist it's a lot of powerful merchant houses pulling strings in the politics but the one and I'm for everybody on the internet um, the fancy ones on my left hand and the less fancy one is on my right hand and so the right handed one they're like. It's an obvious civil war, like it's an obvious war that's going on between these two people in the middle. And so 
it's a lot of merc companies fighting each other. It's a lot of like proxy wars supporting this person in that conflict kind of thing. But this, the one on my right, the, the military one, Natharan, and I named it just like George R. R. Martin did. I kind of copied a little bit. Natharan is they're just like giving up. They're like, this isn't worth our fight anymore. And the other one is like starting to like grow in the power vacuum. And so that's it. And the continents kind of form an X. So that's one of them. And then on the other diagonal is a couple of like free states that don't really like they like have their country and stuff but they don't like have a giant military they're kind of just doing their own thing and so way far north is isle on the rock and that's like a frozen archipelago of islands it's kind of like tough hardy people live there and then herzgarak is like jungle pretty liberal like progressive place and then so it's that, and then the the Centroid is the like the middle territory. It's a long, skinny strip of land, and it's the land route between the two nations or whatever. And in Centroid, and then there's like a pretty inconsequential southern island that we don't really go about. And so in Centroid, there's like starting to be some more. Or, oh, so about fifteen years ago in the story, um, the orcs were like leaving their mountain and they were like doing a lot of raiding and then both of the superpowers united to put them back behind this line and the in the like orcish clan leader signed he like signed a document pretty much established a dmz in these mountains right sure and so these mountains are just like uninhabitable and just like it's impossible to like do anything with it like you, there you can't like grow crops there it's just mm -hmm. like wild mountain range and it's slowly getting worse so like earthquakes are getting like much more devastating volcanoes and it pretty much comes down to like any orc that lives there and there's like fifty thousand or so any orc that lives there is like living in wagon campaigns and they hunt stuff in caves and like that's their way of life and they're starting to leave again and so they're starting to leave and like raid and nobody knows why and it's pretty much like oh, this village went dark. Well, that's on the other side of the DMZ. Nobody cares. But then they, like, make a really daring raid on the, like, the city that the adventurers are in, and that's where we start. And so they make, a, like, a raid, and it's, it, it kind of, like, is a conspiracy on a conspiracy, and it ends up being that Grumash, god of the orcs, is displeased with his orcs. Sure. And he's like, go raid again. Like, I need to... And so his, his goal with, like, making the DMZ uninhabitable was that, like, he's trying to push them out. Mm -hmm. He's like... Doesn't want to get them fat and lazy. Right. He's like... Because the, that one king was like... He was just like... he He's viewed as, like, being weak for having signed that, but really it, like, saved him, mm -hmm. I think, is mm -hmm. kind of what it ends up being. And so he's trying to push him out, and so his latest trick is that he's starting to... He, like, makes kind of a zombie virus type of thing, and that's... But nobody knows about that. They just know that orcs are raiding, and so they now they know it'll eventually be that that is, like, turning people, creating zombies, and, like, the undead horde is what's pushing them out. Very cool. And so it's kind of like that is happening in the middle of this, like, proxy war between these two nations. And so I think the direction that's happening and how they're playing the campaign is that what's going to... And this is... Yeah. I'll go into the spoilers because I... I'll tell him, just yeah. with him to be like, can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's going to end up happening is, is like neither of these powers can like make official declarations against the other and they can't like move forces into the middle part without like facing severe scrutiny, like opening themselves up to all of that. 
And so, what's going to end up happening is they've they've met a leader of the ch- of this church, and this church is going to like lead the crusade against because they have like a sizable military force, and they're like third party, right? So they can go in there. I'm going to put the players in position to watch this zombie horde eat this crusade, and like grow in numbers. So now it's like a very serious threat, and they have sure. to like get back and figure it out. And so I don't have an end for this. I don't know what the end is going to be, but what I do know is that like eventually they're going to learn that the zombies are frenzied by fire and like very weak to it, and so like they just go nuts and they go into like a berserker rage when they see fire. But ice calms them down and they like it freezes them and they like become docile in ice. So I could see it going a bunch of different ways, but pretty much what I think is going to happen is they're going to realize that they need divine help because everybody, like a lot of people have backstories with gods in them. So I'm going to like capitalize on that and then like, see if they can leverage that and like t- pretty much they're going to have to either kill or talk to Grumash. And like, yeah. And that's very, not to interject. I'm sorry, but when, eventually when you're like, if you have a cleric at a demi cleric to the party, um, no, well, and maybe you can pull this from like the cleric thing. theme, mm-hmm. but at level 10 clerics can do what's called divine intervention. Uh-huh. And like once a week, you can attempt to like, or no, it's like once a day, you can attempt to parley a favor with the god that you serve. And if it succeeds, you have to wait a week before you can do it again. Like you basically can pull up a miracle. Mm-hmm. So maybe like uh, maybe if you have a paladin, or maybe if you just have people who are like in the gods, then mm-hmm. you can maybe pull some, something something like that. Yeah. So I think in, eventually they're going to have to talk to gods because in because in this like in the my magical Dungeons and Dragons world. Um, the gods go to Earth, go to, like, this Earth for vacation and for ideas and things. And so, like, the god of trickery is going to have a Glock, pretty much. Like, I have it already built up to where, like, one of the characters, like, so they drop into this... Okay. Oh, man. So, anyway, but the gods are just, like, cruel and, like, very much like to play with people. And so the recent, our most recent dungeon... There was they were in the market buying stuff for their adventure because they were gonna go they're they're they were gonna go and scout for this crusade or whatever. But what's gonna happen is they there was a bomb in a market, and so like pretty much it, it was a giant claymore. There was a box of ball bearings, and then there was a bomb on the other side of the like house that it was in. They were like hiding the bomb and they defused the bomb and they like it was actually kind of neat because they like figured it out and it was a very long dungeon. Like I thought this they would be over quick, but they diffuse the bomb, it all works out, but then they're in the house, but one of them is, like, really involved with the God of Illusion, and so they're going to look outside the house, and they're going to be like, what are all these dead people here for? Bada-bing, bada-boom, it actually went off, killed everybody, and so now they have to run into the city. Oh, shit. And so they have to, like, and I'm trying to slowly introduce the whole zombie plague thing to them, mm-hmm. and I think this is how we'll do it this week, is, like... Like, so the god of, tri- they meet the god of trickery, they drop down into this, like, into this labyrinth, and he's like, he gives them all of those, like, useless tools. I don't know if, did we say it for that? No, no, yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that. Um, you should tell me about those, those useless tools. I like it a lot, and this is another reason why I love talking to other DMs, because then I can hear ideas that I've never heard before, which mm-hmm. you definitely did with these. Yeah, so... Okay, so they meet the god of trickery, and the god of trickery gives, he takes away their weapons and a lot of their tools, and he gives them these instead. So, the trick is, is that, at first, at the face level, is that these, is that these things are pretty much worthless. So, he has a, he has a knife that he's going to give to the rogue in our party, and it's a, it was original, the story is, is that he originally made it, he, that uh, there was a sorcerer, there was an enchanter, he made it for, as an offering to a different god, but the god of trickery, like, bought it or won it in a trade or whatever. And so he goes, 
And the guy put the sole of his dog into this blade, right? And so the blade, like, alerts him to enemies. But the thing is, is it was annoying yippy dog. And so it just barks all the time, barks constantly, which, and then it'll growl when there's a person nearby. So it actually gets aggressive. And so it's yipping and yipping and yipping. And meanwhile, the, the dungeon that they're going to be using this in, so he's like, here are these, here are these useless trades. Now it's her turn. They're going to be like, whose turn? And then like the god of dark, the goddess of darkness is going to be like, like do the clap on clap off thing. Turns turns the lights off. Sure. And I'm going to make, I'm going to cut circles like three inch circles out of the paper, and Aww. like they're going to go through a maze yeah. where they can't see anything. And Hell so, yeah. the she like the rogue needs to sneak through this maze, mm-hmm. not with the annoying yippy dog. But over the course of the dungeon, what they're going to find out is that they can train the dog in the blade. That's awesome. Right? Yeah, and I like so, like, so the trick wasn't that these things are useless. The trick is that they're actually useful. And actually, I, d- I don't know if I told you about the bow that I'm thinking about going with. Not yet, no. Okay. So it's another story of somebody wants to make an offering, and they enchant this bow with the soul of, an, with the soul of a dead archer. And they, like, put the soul in the bow. And I'll go on note and say that, like, putting souls in things is kind of a cheap thing that DM, that, like, I see, like, I, I, see, like, I feel like I see that a lot. I don't know if it's cheap. It's, it's, um, it's a good tool. It's, it, a good it, tool. it's probably okay. used a lot because it's good, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. Yeah. So maybe, it's a good, okay. it's a good, I could see that. Yeah. Anyway. So, he puts the soul of an archer in a bow, but the thing is, is he puts it in backwards. So every time he pulls up, is there's a, there's a shadow archer pulling it back at him. And so... <laughs> So you have to make a wisdom. You have to make a wisdom or a dexterity saving throw to either like think your way out of the sure. like the spectral whatever of the bow or dodge the bow, or, like <laughs> dodge the arrow. And so over time, what I'm thinking is that they like learn that you get a free. And I wanted to do like a dependable amount of damage at them. So like it's two damage, like no sure. dice, just two damage, right? And so. You get a free arrow pointing back at you if you can make the exactly. save, and you're a square over. So, like, if you're in a zombie horde and they're surrounding mm-hmm. you, you just like are shooting and diving all over the place. You're and so, like, yeah. Right, and so, and I would even go as far as I have some really good role players and some really good thinkers in the group, and I feel like one of them might try to take the soul out of the bow and like have it as a higher like companion kind of a thing. And so, like, I could see rewarding that kind of a story arc. That's very cool. And so. The god of trickery gives them these things, which they're actually useful, and then the goddess of darkness has them go through this dungeon, and then eventually I'm gonna actually give them blindfolds, and like they'll have a fight where they're actually blindfolded. Okay. And, like they're car- and, like they- there's no anything, and they have to like rely on the descriptions. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. So that is very cool. Yeah. The the the, uh, the little the three inch circle that they can see it reminds me a lot of um. Like Pokemon Red, if you don't have Flash, you know what I'm talking about? I haven't played Pokemon Red, but I did play a little bit of Blue. Oh, well, I mean, just, just Gen 1 Pokemon, where if mm-hmm. you don't use Flash, you just get like a little tiny circle of what you can see. Yeah. But, um, anyway, that's very cool. I like that a lot. And that's, like I said, I love talking to other DMs about ideas. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, like I said before, I'm very lazy when it comes to my stuff. Like, I think my DMing chops are the best when I'm, like, making... Yeah, with with humor, but also with like overall world building and um, and kind of like improvisational interactions with NPCs and characters. But those really cool ideas are awesome, and I, I'd love to throw them into my toolbox if mm-hmm. I ever am able to use those. The other note that I <laughs> oh, thank you, I'll take those. But uh, the one note I wanted to mention, it's really funny when you talk about your um, your world building and how like in this area it's kind of more designed for these type of people in uh, different geographical locations are more based on uh, types of 
folk and what they do. That's very similar to what I do in, in my homebrew, mm -hmm. where there are the, in each different parts of the main continents, like this continent here is more attractive to like uh, martial prowess fighters. Mm -hmm. And this continent down here is more with uh, like wizards and magic users. And this one over here is more to like socialites. And over here, like it's kind of separated out by, if you want to think of them as classes, you could. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool how um, there's a, a similarity that way. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. One, one day, um, I won't tell you about it now, okay. but I'll, I have my whole homebrew thing. And I, I love it. I really appreciate it when a dungeon when the dungeon master gets really into detail on like the political interactions of different areas because mm -hmm. that's something I'm really bad. At. I am I, I have in my opinion fairly <clears throat> decent overarching world building ideas and like templates and um, big picture stuff. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like the the details of like actual real world interactions and people doing stuff, I'm really bad at that shit. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool when I can see someone who can pull that off. So I admire that. Do you have anything else you want to throw in there or anything that uh, is worth mentioning? I don't know. I think that's that. I don't know. I guess. Hell yeah. 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 Well, that was an awesome conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we got Song of Fire, D&D. A lot of Cthulhu. A lot of Cthulhu in there. A little bit of Skyrim. Yes. Even Pokemon. That we, got a po we got a few Pokemon references. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Perfect. That's... That's the important stuff. And that's a wrap. That's it. We did it. Boom.